With great data comes even greater access latency. Welcome to the Cresto Community Broadcast, where we transform your latency woes into fast insights. My name is Brian Olson. I'm your co-host. And I'm that other co-host, Matt <laughs> Presto Community Broadcast is a show where we cover events and happenings within the open source Presto community and show off a little cool stuff about Presto. So uh, basically, this uh, episode, we're going to be jumping into release 344, right? Uh, not in 345 yet, quite. Not quite yet. It's just about to hit the, hit the road. I think. Okay. <laughs> Today, tomorrow, who knows? <laughs> stay, yeah. stay, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to, again, since last week uh, we had a little bit of audio troubles, uh, we're going to let Manfred cover his uh, SQL at any scale training. Uh, cover a couple different news and insights um, and the typical uh, what's coming up and events that are coming up. Um, then we're going to jump into the concept of the week. Uh, this will be done by Manfred this week. Uh, it's going to be talking about SPI, connectors, uh, kind of a lot of the, the central juice to uh, what, what makes Presto so popular. Um, then we're going to hop into the interview with uh, Arpit. Thanks for coming uh, and joining us today, Arpit. Hey, Brian. Hey. Glad to be here. So Arpit uh, was working at uh, Atlin uh, for some time, and so we're going to be covering some interesting uh, 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 setups and deployments they had going on there, particularly uh, is, uh, around the fact that they had an enterprise and an open source uh, version deployed at the same time. So uh, looking forward to that interview. Uh, then for the PR of the week, uh, I am going to be covering pull request 4462. Um, that is covering a, uh, an addition of headers to, to the Kafka connector. Uh, so now we can actually um, get the headers in the fields that get returned. So we're going to cover a little bit about that and what that actually means and how it's going to be uh, useful to us. Um, question of the week is then going to cover uh, the need for Java 11. And, and some people are a little confused about why we need to have Java 11 and why we made that move. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about that and then wrap it up. So that's pretty much the show. Um, but first, uh, before we head on to the show, let's do a quick uh, word from our sponsors, Starburst. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Starburst, for hosting this show. Starburst is an enterprise offering that builds upon open source Presto distribution. The main vectors you improve upon when moving to Starburst are performance, support, and simplicity to deploy. The performance gains come from an enterprise suite of Presto connectors that improve upon the open source connectors by offering parallel implementations and improved statistics exposed to the cost space optimizer. There are also connectors that don't exist in the open source projects, such as the Snowflake connector and Delta Lake connector, and many other that prove useful in many enterprise applications. My favorite thing that Starburst offers is how they take away the pain of deployment, security, and scaling your Presto cluster up by offering Kubernetes deployments on multiple cloud platforms. This relieves a lot of pressure from your ops team and offers them a slick user interface called Mission Control that makes the management of your cross-platform clusters easy. Finally, they have a team of experts that are available to address any issues you experience. This team includes the original founders of Presto, a dedicated customer success team, and even Manfred and myself. We clearly think the product is great, but don't take our word for it. Try Presto for free. Head on over to starburstdata.com to learn more. And now back to the show. Okay, so uh, Manfred, let's, uh, let's hop into release 344. Let me change over. This is not the release notes. That's okay. <laughs> so 3.44, we just came out on the 9th um, October, so not that long ago, but we already like uh, having 3.45 in line as well. Mm. Um, as you can see from the release notes, there's a couple of um, general changes. I think interesting changes are mostly uh, focused around things like the timestamp support for higher precision. Um, a little bit of things related to the dynamic filtering. So there's a couple of improvements for dynamic filtering, mostly um, also adding it like it's now fully a part of the SPI, which we'll talk about later. Oh, cool. Um, couple of things on the security aspect. So there's a new file-based group provider, which was uh, interesting. It's not, not a big uh, kind of like code base, but it has a, a good effect because you can now do a group provider setup where you configure that in, a, in the file base. And there's a couple of other sections in the file-based system access control. And the nice thing is also that all this uh, has changed 
uh, in the documentation as well. So um, definitely have a good look at the file-based system access control setup now. There's a lot of things that went in. If you look at the changes, they're all basically coming out of the same issue slash pull request. So it's a, a bit of a large sweeping uh, change that doesn't really break any compatibility, but it might just makes it much nicer to work with. Uh, Dane has done most of the work on that. It's pretty amazing, so that's good. And then on the Hive connector side of things, um, mostly performance improvements, a few corrections, um, but also the Hive Hive.security um, allowing all access, which skips authorization checks, which can uh, have a bit of an impact on performance, and then some other smaller changes. Oh, cool. Yeah. We had a little more on the Kafka connector, actually. Yeah, I was just going to say the Kafka <laughs> connector we'll talk about later has now Predicate Pushdown for a couple of columns, which is uh, Predicate Pushdown is one of those performance improvements where uh, Presto basically lets the underlying system take care of things where it just operates faster. Um, and that is <laughs> one that went through. So um, again, that is possible because that Predicate Pushdown is part of the SPI, which we'll explain later today. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, do you? This is my lack of understanding of the Kafka API, but like, it, I'm wondering if there's how that gets supported. If that's, I know there's like KSQL uh, DB now, and like this is some something that kind of sits on top of Kafka to to uh, pull it out. But I'm wondering if there. This is just probably just using the the um, uh, su the subscriber kind of API. That they have. I'm honestly not sure to be on or streams or something. I know there's like a couple APIs that they have on top of it, so kind of interesting. I to... know that the Kafka connector does get regular in enhancements, so there must be a whole bunch of people using it for sure. Um, we just like not so long ago like had like insert support added mm. with different formats and stuff like that. So it's 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 definitely also something that always pops up in the release notes. So yeah, and it's so um, central to the guts of just about any any type of architecture these days. So it makes sense why it's becoming a little more popular. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. Four uh, and three forty five is just around the corner, by the way. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I didn't ask you. Are we done with the, <laughs> with the release? We're notes? just doing the last kind of like release note fine tuning and stuff like that. I'm I'm guessing it's gonna hit the road today or tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, cool. Um, and hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. I mean, I'm guessing we'll be covering that and possibly a 346 by by the next two by the next show in uh, two no, weeks. No, no, slow down, all right. Let's let's just <laughs> 345 a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, man. The way we've just been blazing uh, uh, through all these different releases, so I just wouldn't be surprised. So uh, uh, let's go on to. I, I wanted you to get a, another kind of point to kind of, uh, uh, and yeah, I, you may um, even keep just... doing this. To That's talk cool. about um, your first steps, this is a class that we you, you, like we we had you talk about yesterday or yesterday last show, um, and then we we realized later in kind of mid show that we didn't have the audio working, and so um, we did a better check this time. I'm, I'm hoping, and so I, I haven't heard from anybody on Twitch side that 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 we're not getting any so audio going good, through. Man. So, um, so yeah, I, I just want to, um, you know, have you kind of go through like, what, what is this class about? Uh, I think the, this is actually going to be on O'Reilly. So I, I pulled up your, uh, your web account. I think yeah, we have so both what, links. So what this, this builds upon is, um, obviously Matt, Martin and myself wrote press to the definitive guide earlier this year that got out in March and has gotten lots and lots of our readers because it gives you a good overview of presto and sort of like hand holds you a little bit along the way um and we gave it we're giving it away from starburst for free so um lots of people have taken advantage of that if you haven't yet make sure you go to starburstdata.com and uh get a free copy um we have O'Reilly that link then, by the way uh that that link will be in the show notes we we put those that one in the show notes so awesome cool so what then happened is that um, O'Reilly was pretty happy about what's been going on. And I've already in the past done lots of trainings. So uh, when they approached me about doing a, a training class on Presto, which they then ended up calling Presto First Steps, um, I jumped on that opportunity. And the first uh, event is happening later this month, like, well, next month, like in November or pretty soon. And all you have to have is one of those um, O'Reilly e-learning subscriptions, which you can even just get for a trial period for free. 
um, if you wait a little bit sort of towards the event, but it's also very cheap and offers lots and lots of classes. This specific class will have two aspects. I'll be teaching a lot, uh, showing a lot of things, but also it has three Kata Coder examples, which is like an online learning platform where you basically on, on, on a live system can run through exercises without like you basically kind of get like a Docker container running in a browser for you, like not in the browser, but accessible via browser for you. So I have a couple of examples that like basically teach you to get started with Presto. So the whole class is about finding out what is Presto about, getting to a start where you pretty easily can like write your first queries for it and you'll know how to get started with it on your own and sort of like work towards maybe a full deployment at your company and then work understanding larger scale and that kind of thing. So it'll, it'll give you a good, good introduction. Yeah, just to provide some context, um, this won't be you know usable by our by our podcast listeners. But if you just go to catacoder.com, you can you can definitely check things out there. It, there's a um, uh, I just this is an example that I have pulled up here right now. Um, and then for podcast listeners, just go to catacoder.com. You can look at a whole bunch of examples. They have like Kubernetes, TensorFlow, all these different uh, you know examples and scenarios for you to run through. And you basically can just click on the code, or you can you know type it in, and it's a it's a fully like functioning terminal, you know, that you can actually like LS and, you know, uh, just kind of um, do do everything that you would do in a, in a regular terminal. But it's just through your web browser, all of the compute and everything is happening on, on O'Reilly's and Katakoda's uh, back end. So so it's a it's a really powerful tool to, to kind of learn. Um, through through some of these things, so especially for now, and we're starting to slowly more and more leverage uh, Katakoda uh, in upcoming things, including what uh, Manfred's done here to kind of uh, convey a lot of these simple, and then uh, eventually we're going to be moving into more advanced topics. So, so this is cool, really cool. And so you would definitely say, like, is this for like somebody who knows nothing of Presto or yeah, even a little who, bit? Yeah, people who know nothing about it or have heard of it, but like haven't dove, like are a bit scared to like muck around on their own. Uh, this lowers the barrier of entry even more. And it's like if you subscribe to the learning platform, you get access to all these other classes. And this is just one of them. So I'll jump onto that. It's in November. And then another one is going to happen late next year in, in January. And then we'll see how it goes. And you know, if lots of people ping me about it, maybe I'll end up doing an advanced class next. <laughs> we'll there see. you go. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's where we need to we need to head. Because I mean, in the beginning, it's about kind of converting people to understand like what Presto is and where it fits. But then I think, yeah, like beyond that, we'll we'll want to also kind of give some some information to you know those that are intermediate to advanced users and uh, and get them included as well. So very cool stuff. Uh, and w those uh, links will also be included in the show notes, so definitely check those out. And uh, the the show date, by the way, or the training date uh, for for this class is November sixteenth, twenty twenty. So uh, don't forget to sign up. And uh, cool. Uh, anything else you wanted to say, Manfred, before we move on? No, I think that's good. Um, related and also jump over, by the way, is in, since we're talking about advanced classes, we have a whole bunch of classes that we did recently. Um, that you'll also have mm. online yep. that Martin, Dane, and David presented where I was hosting and we're like going through various aspects. Um, and they're all available on the blog in prestosql.io slash blog. Yeah, they're um, starting to, to fall down. But if you look, so can, the last one was on August 27th, configuring and tuning Presto performance with Dane. And you'll see these they're, they're prefixed with Presto training series and different sessions. So there, there's four sessions. And so you can kind of just uh, scroll through the blogs and they'll have the slides they'll have the videos and you get to hear manfred's beautiful voice <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> you're the one that can actually sing <laughs> cool um yeah good good uh good point there so um Moving on, uh, a couple things I wanted to highlight. Uh, we have a Presto newsletter uh, on the Starburst site that you can uh, subscribe to. Just highlight, I, I highlight a couple of things that I see uh, coming through there uh, on the show as well. So uh, there is a uh, ongoing Postgres con conference called Postgres Conf. Uh, many of you probably already know about that. And so um, 
So we had a couple of our uh, our essays talk uh, from some Starburst data, particularly Randy Chertko. Um, he is uh, covering kind of at a mostly higher level, but but he also does kind of show some pretty like like lower level kind of configurations that you would do to actually like connect a, a, a either a JDBC tool or a, or a, a BI tool to uh, to run queries against uh, Presto and the this pre-recorded um, uh, video or, or uh, presentation was actually talking to multiple Postgres servers, uh, which makes sense because probably the people attending this conference have a lot of Postgres servers or different various, you know, maybe they distribute their posts, their data across various uh, uh, servers and, and they all use Postgres. So definitely one uh, um, uh, use case. The um, other one I wanted to show, let me see when this event is. Uh, so that event already happened, and there's going to be a link to that in the show notes. Um, there's going to be unlock... Uh, let me see. Oh, I seem to have gotten the wrong... Let me see. This is also Randy Chertkow. Unlock data in Postgres and query it with other sources. Okay, yeah, this is the correct one. Uh, let me see what day this is. There's going to be another... Uh, uh, conference on this, but I thought this had not already happened and it's no longer showing me the date like it was before. So I will have the link to this. Uh, it may have just happened maybe, uh, just the day before. Uh, so I will, I will see if I can put that into the show notes as well, along with this link. But, uh, basically it was, uh, the intent of that second course was to now say, instead of putting Presto on top of like multiple Postgres servers, which adds some, adds some value for sure. But, uh, you know, you probably have no SQL databases. You probably have, you know, Kafka streaming things in your database that you maybe want to, uh, do a federated uh, search query over. So Randy also is going to be covering uh, that aspect as well. And then the final thing that I saw uh, from from the uh, that I wanted to kind of show from the Presto sh- uh, the Presto newsletter uh, was this Presto meets Elasticsearch uh, connector. This is coming out from Big Data Boutique. They are consultants in the in uh, for Presto, and we've actually done a little bit of. Uh, I think we had like uh, one of our essays also talk on their um, on one of their weekly uh, knowledge transfers. I think it's no, it's an AMA. It's an Ask Me Anything. So we had. Uh, I think this was also Randy and uh, another one of our essays, Austin Zellner. He talked with them uh, a little bit just to kind of you know give an overview of Starburst. But uh, but yeah, these guys are are really interested in kind of uh, you know consulting for for Presto, and they uh, have this Presto meets Elasticsearch connector. Uh, it basically takes what the open source connector did, and then they added a lot of features. Like uh, the there's a lot of features in Elasticsearch around like geo. Uh, uh, like I think there's particularly models of, of like geotagging data or also like um, being able to model uh, particular points and, and polygons and things like this. And you can then do kind of interesting queries in Elasticsearch for this. I don't know to what extent they've, they've done this. That's what uh, I, I kind of watched through this a little bit and it was mostly a recap on, on Presto for those who didn't know. But at the end, they start showing a couple interesting things that, uh, that they've enabled in their own personal kind of uh, uh, Elasticsearch connector. So definitely an interesting uh, look into this. And, and they also uh, aimed to do some performance enhancements as well. So uh, so that one I thought was uh, pretty neat. Um, so those will all be in the show notes as well. Um, events coming up, we still have these um, tech, tech talk summits. So there are, there's one, and I, I'm going to say the, the, the location, but it's not going to matter because they're all digital. Uh, so it's probably more about when these are going to happen. So you can, uh, these are all going to be listed in the show notes as well. But uh, one's in Jacksonville, Florida on October 27th, and then the other one's November 19th in De- uh, Detroit, uh, Michigan, right, actually right next door to me. So, um, so yeah, so these uh, two are... Um, Basically, we're just going to have an essay kind of run you, walk you through uh, uh, Starburst Presto. So if you have little background, I think these will be very useful to to go and check out. Um, The final one that I'm I'm very, very excited about in terms of the event uh, is going to be taking place um, on November 20th, just after the last Tech Talk. And that is going to be the Presto Conference in Tokyo. 
So, uh, so most of the talks here uh, are going to be uh, given in Jap- Japanese, uh, but uh, there, I mean, it's a networking opportunity. I'm, I'm sure most of the attendees will, will speak English if, if、uh, you're interested in kind of going just to network.、Uh, it will probably be more specific to、uh, kind of Asia Pacific uh, uh, folks that are interested in, in、uh, kind of learning more about Presto,、uh, especially those that、uh, can speak Japanese, but,、um, but definitely something I wanted to highlight. Uh, as, as part of、uh, one of the communities that doesn't get quite as much love on the show <laughs> until now. So,、um, so, yeah, so I will be、uh, looking into possibly giving a talk, a very minimal talk in English、uh, at this conference. So,、uh, so, we'll be looking out for that.、Um, so, cool. Uh, other than that,、uh, you know, as we had already mentioned,、uh, make sure you check out the latest trainings from David, Dane, and Martin.、Uh, it's Advanced SQL and Presto, Understanding、uh, and Tuning the qu-、uh, Presto Query Processing. That one's with Martin talking about cost based optimizers,、um, Securing Presto with Dane. And Dane also then talks on a second、uh, webinar about configuring and tuning the performance. So、uh, that, that fourth one and the second one kind of go hand in hand to some degree, but,、uh, but definitely. Uh, all, all in all, trying to kind of one's more focused on specific queries versus the other ones kind of talking about improving the performance across a cluster.、Um, finally, we have the Presto Summit series that is also available in the same blog locations,、uh, also a little further nested down. But、uh, this is talking about the state of Presto in 2020. This was slightly outdated now, but still pr- pretty relevant.、Um, And then we also have conversations with a couple companies、uh, like Zora, Arm Treasure, and, and Pinterest about their, their use cases at Presto. Um, uh, also, in the show notes, we'll be adding a couple recent podcasts.、Uh, nothing within the last two weeks that, are, that is fresh off the press. So, I'm not going to really go into those too heavy right now. But,、uh, but yeah, that's basically uh, uh, going to kind of finalize it for what we are going to be talking about in news. So, on to the concept of the week, Mr. Moser. And you're on mute.、Uh, Still not hearing you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> good. All right. Dang it. How do you feel? Us left, right, and center. All good now, though. All right. So, concept of the week.、Uh, what I wanted to talk about、oh. this week is something that、uh, affects lots of Presto users and also lots of、uh, contributors.、Uh, and that is. The, what's called the SPI or service provider interface of Presto.、Um, in the documentation, the developer guide, you see this.、Um, and that's、um, just a side effect or sort of like an implementation detail of a、like、very crucial architectural decision that Martin, Dane, and David, and Eric made when they started writing Presto. And what that is, is they decided to create a platform architect, like a plugin architecture. So Presto. Basically, is like a core runtime framework that basically knows a lot of things in terms of、uh, orchestrating queries and all that kind of stuff. But then it relies on plugins to do certain aspects. Those aspects are things such as connecting to an underlying data source, doing some security details,、uh, working with specific, like implementing specific functions and types, and、uh, getting them to run. <clears throat> and These plugins can prov- like, are basically implementing the, what's called SPI. So, SPI stands for Service Provider Interface. It's basically just a couple of、uh, Java interfaces that you have to implement when you write a plugin. And the plugin could be a connector. So, every connector, for example, needs to, have, needs to implement how to get the list of tables and the metadata about the tables that are available or the schemas. To Presto and Presto just says to the connector X, hello, give me the tables or a list of tables in that schema, or give me the list of schemas, or give me、um, the data types for that table. And then、uh, a connector is the only system that understands how to actually go into that relational database or Elasticsearch or whatever it goes into and find that information, provide it back to Presto, and then Presto can. Basically, orchestrate and like work with that metadata, and it doesn't really have to care what the underlying system is. So, that SPI abstracts those、uh, aspects.、Um, and so, when you want to write a new, new plugin, a new connector to a new underlying data source, all you need to do is basically implement that service provider interface and the relevant、um, 
interfaces. And um, why that is important is a you're uh, writing in Java, uh, and when you when you're doing that, and you need to understand that your SPI, like that you're writing against, is dependent on the Presto release. So if you look at the release notes, I uh, left yep. for one release, notes, the SPI now and then changes. So it's important that whatever plugin you write or whatever data type you write, you write it against the same thing. So in this release note, for example, that we see here, the I think 342 or whatever it was, there was a change that added a signature method for dynamic filtering. So now any connector that has potentially some sort of functionality towards dynamic filtering can now implement that and it automatically takes care of that dynamic filtering um, method, like the work and, and Presto will just push it down and say, hey, you, Mr. Data Source here under the bottom, take care of this, uh, you do the filtering, I don't have to worry about it. And so that's important. And the result of this plugin architecture and the SPIs that you implement there is that you can write your own plugin. So you can write your own connector. Um, you can um, create an improved version of an open source connector, maybe even contribute it back or specialize it for your use case, uh, whatever it is, right? And you can uh, add more stuff there. And that's how we get contributions also added. Like someone, for example, wrote uh, uh, the authentication for Salesforce recently was contributed. Mm -hmm. That's just another plugin that was written. And that, that's very crucial to the success of Presto, right? Yep, for sure. Sure. I think that's like kind of, I wouldn't say like, there's obviously the speed aspect, right? Like the, the fast kind of pipeline processing and, and then there's, you know, the the query rewriting that part, like, let's not, you know, over, overlook that part, but, but I think this is really kind of what makes it applicable to so many use cases. So you can, you can definitely, I mean, there's a whole bunch of kind of fast in-memory processing uh, that you can see in many different systems. But I think like it's the merger of, of the SPI with this kind of, with, with this kind of in- incredible fast uh, processing that, you know, is done on, a, on, on parallel scales on two, two levels, kind of parallel across machines and then parallel within a, an individual machine. And, you know, kind of that, that uh, dynamic type of, of planning that, that occurs there, as well as like dynamic code writing, even, even down to that level. So it's, it's all, all of those, you know, speed up features, plus this SPI, like this extensibility just makes it, so applicable to, to just about any use case that that gets gets thrown at us. So, I mean, yeah, and it, it unlocks that yeah that powerful engine for lots more use cases. All you have to do is write another plugin, right? And that's that's great. And that's what lots of people do, right? Like they write like like Zora had their own plugin written. Of course, Starburst does that and improves the system a lot with custom extensions yep. and like additional like Snowflake or Teradata connector and lots of others do that. Like you mentioned earlier, Big Data Boutique, they're doing the same thing with Elasticsearch. And a lot of those core improvements will benefit everyone, right? Like we contribute a lot to Presto all the time. Yep. And everyone benefits and we work together and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's, and, and ultimately too, one thing I wanted to kind of point out too, is like a lot of what's happening within these plugins is, you know, driving the the core engine so if you if you have some some way to kind of like do a predicate pushdown so that there's less work or less things to be streamed as well as if you you know are able to kind of use some statistics about the actual data that's sitting in whatever database source and expose that to the cost base optimizer, then it can come up with a much more intelligent plan. So, so that, that's where I think you kind of start hopping into, you mentioned Starburst. So this made me think of this is that, you know, the, these are kind of the enterprise differentiations and, and where things change up is that, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, taking advantage of things running in parallel and, uh, and also kind of taking advantage of exposing various statistics to the cost base optimizer. So, um, so yeah. And so these are things that, you know, for, First base, first time around, you're usually kind of enabling just for this interaction to work. But then, as you as you gradually kind of develop each of these, you know, individual connectors, you're trying to add these kind of features to them. And and whether it's Starburst or you know just getting straight into the open source, uh, I think it's all like you were saying, it's all good, and we're all making making Presto one a little bit better for everyone. Exactly. And if you're interested in more details, the website's PrestoSQL.io/docs 
has this developer guide and that gives you a good overview all the way to diving in and actually writing a plugin. You can look at the existing plugins in the open source code base for examples. And of course, we're all hanging out on Slack and are hopefully ready to, to help you along as well where necessary, so. Absolutely, cool. With that, uh, we are now to our interview. So, uh, Arpit, thank you so much for waiting so patiently. And uh, I'd like to, uh, here, let me move the our screens back here. There we go. Um, I'd like to uh, say welcome uh, first, and uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about uh, Presto at Atlin. Hey, Brian. Hey, Manfred. Cool. So, um, so I, I, I'm just going to kind of jump in and, and, you know, we have a few prompting questions, but hopefully we can just kind of uh, get, get to, uh, you know, more organic type of conversation about this. So my first kind of, uh, you know, prompt question is what made your team move to Presto to use Presto in the first place? And was this a kind of like replacing an existing, you know, kind of problematic or slow uh, setup or, or previous architecture and you guys needed something a little faster? Or is this kind of, was this like greenfield project? Like we're going to set up Presto and, and just make things run fast. Okay, so uh, the use cases we had uh, was majorly two. Okay, uh, first was data processing on scale. Okay, mm -hmm. somewhere close to terabytes, hundreds of terabytes of scale. Okay, mm -hmm. and second was interactive query use cases, which covered everything from querying directly on the platform uh, to reporting use cases on Excel, Power BI, or Tableau. Uh, these were our two use cases, and this was fresh uh, use case, basically. Okay, there was nothing in place. Okay, uh, so for satisfying both of these use cases, we had a couple of options, like we could go with data parsing and something else for interactive queries use case. But then again, it was managing two different frameworks, scaling them and monitoring everything. Okay, so we decided to go with Presto. We didn't consider Hive or Impala kind of uh, frameworks because again, it was either slow or uh, not as many connectors or not a good community or basically abandoned by uh, the developers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why we chose Presto. Okay. So it was very important for you to have a project where there is a, a community behind it and lots of people are contributing and it, it looks alive, so to speak, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, basically, we uh, got to know with Presto DB project. Okay. So we thought that, okay, it was backed by Presto, sorry, uh, Facebook. And uh, like they ran it on scale, they abandoned, uh, like they used uh, Presto over hives. Okay. So that was a clear choice. But then we got to know about Presto SQL that, okay, there is uh, this project that is driven by community rather than a single company. So that's why I went with Presto SQL. Awesome. Or, and you, you ended up trying it out pretty quickly. And how did that go? Okay. So uh, we tried it on single machine, basically like your uh, standard installing instructions, like install and run, mm -hmm. connect with let's say S3 or Azure um, lakes and like grand query or something. It was working fine, okay. Uh, but uh, it would have been too much of hassle to uh, manage a new uh, framework like uh, Presto uh, in starting when we are building the product. So we decided to go with the managed version like Starburst. And so, so like that so did you, what, what kind of uh, connectors, I guess, were you guys using before we hop into the whole Starburst part? Okay, so uh, in starting, we had um, S3 uh, as our major source. Okay, a little bit of data in Postgres and MongoDB as well. Some mm -hmm. little bit of transaction and uh, uh, monitoring kind of data. Okay. Okay, then like, um, in an year or so, we got uh, Delta Lake, we got Snowflake, okay, as connectors as well. So, um, so when you guys had both this Starburst and you had open source Presto running at the same time, was this just to kind of push off like, like, what was it? Was it? 
particularly focused on certain use cases, like you wanted, you needed, had a use case that had more uh, kind of enterprise needs, like maybe connector, or was it, you know, were, were you trying to basically just push off any arch- like a, a set of architecture decisions saying, let's try both of them and just see what works? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, so uh, we had uh, two, uh, two problems with uh, just Travis Restro. One was cost. Okay. Um, second was the dependency on a vendor. So in case a client doesn't want to use Travis Presto, then uh, we would have a problem. Okay. Hmm. So vendor locking and the cost. Yeah. Okay. And we were already running multiple Presto clusters. So uh, we thought that, okay, let's replace one of these with open source Presto. Okay. And and what point did you guys feel comfortable to kind of scale up that Starburst pre, uh, cluster? Mm, okay, so uh, exact uh, size or like the size of the clusters increased from close to 100, 200 gigabytes to three terabytes of RAM. <laughs> okay, so there were multiple clusters yeah. Uh, a couple of them were ranging from like 500 GB to one terabyte, and some of them were even three to 3.5 terabyte. So it, it kind of organically grew, and as that growth happened, did you you kind of you you had a choice to make? You could have stayed growing with kind of OS Presto, or you you could uh, stick you know kind of start focusing into Starburst. So you guys, I think, chose more for like expanding with Starburst once you got started, right? Um, I would not say that we expanded in uh, with one of the distributions. Both. <laughs> uh, so uh, we had both of the uh, distributions growing organically. So basically, uh, the cases where queries needs to be really fast, like less than a second. Okay. Uh, on these cases, we were using Starburst only. So reporting use cases, Excel, Power BI, Tableau, these kind of things. Uh, they were using uh, Starburst Presto only, okay. So that like user doesn't feel like okay they are running a query on terabytes of data. They will feel like okay it's instant results, okay. Other than that, everywhere uh, every use case which was time critical. So let's say if you want result in an hour, okay, it's time critical. You need to present something. Then you go with you use our Starburst cluster. Otherwise, anything that is not time critical, like something that is going to take, if you assume like, let's say it was going to take one hour and it takes 1.5 hours. If you have no problem with that, we use um, star, uh, open source cluster. Okay. So are you using the same version, like 3.30 or 3 whatever of open source or in, in Starburst or just mixing it, whatever? Um. I think the releases were like uh, for Starburst, we, we were using LTS release, whichever was available. And for open source, we were using 330. Mm-hmm. What uh, issues did you encounter when, let's start with, we'll start with open source and then I'm curious to, to hear any issues you found with, with Starburst. So uh, open source, when you were kind of setting that up, was, for, was it on-prem or was it cloud for open source? Uh, for Starburst, like for everything, it was on AWS. Okay. Oh, okay. So the, you were using EMR. That's right. That's right. I remember we had a previous conversation about that. So you had EMR for open source. No, no, we were not using EMR for open source because EMR was providing PrestoDB and that's right. We didn't want to use that, and we found like people complaining about uh, EMR for Presto, like it was not running well or it right. was not. Uh, shutting down workers uh, intermittently or like anytime. Okay. So okay. for these kind of cases, we prefer that okay, we'll create our own deployment of open source Presto. So you guys actually managed an entire open source Presto SQL deployment out on some EC2 clusters? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> That's hardcore. That's okay, good. So, yeah. So it was. Uh, exactly like inspired from your Starburst deployment. So basically uh, your architecture has uh, two master nodes yeah. uh, and they can be switched uh, whichever is all alive. Okay. 
and there is an auto scaling group of workers running uh, which are connected to your uh, live resto master club uh, mastermind okay so this was exactly our setup okay and uh, for running it in a auto scaling group we were using a lambda to actually shut down uh, the presto workers well so okay so and and what was that experience like like did you guys have to run up against a couple walls like how, how many how how in term let's just go with like we'll go with wall clock like uh, how many months did this take to get this deployment off the ground or years <laughs> not no, months yes. you'll be surprised like it would it took around one month to figure out uh, all of this deployment creating it in cloud formation okay, okay. and uh, 15 days something to actually know that okay this is not working or this is not working or yeah. we cannot track this this kind of thing how big is your engineering department <laughs> that's another question that brings comes to mind with this it barely qualifies as a plural so it was around uh, four or five people max. wow so four or five people was able, that you guys must have been running some late nights i imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes okay so so you guys got were able to get this uh this this deployment this this os presto deployment up in in um up in uh, uh aws on ec2 you had a failover um and you then started kind of uh you you were basically running with a small amount of of kind of initial use cases uh with presto now let's move over to uh starburst and what was your experience like there in terms of uh you know kind of the deployment and and this these aspects i would say with everything uh starburst was really smooth okay uh not any problems okay but some of the things which are missing from both starburst and open source like uh, if you remember there used to be a reserved pool uh, in the uh, pools of memory okay so at that time i think um, there was no option to uh, remove the reserved pool so the problems we saw at that time was like okay we are running 1 terabyte size of cluster and only 300 gp memory is available mm. to all the queries and other 700 is available to only one query so that was kind of becoming a problem but then i think the release for removing this thing came at the same time so we removed that and i think after that starburst was fine okay in terms of execution one problem that we saw was lack of monitoring infrastructure hmm. so basically if i want to monitor uh, let's say memory cpu how many queries how many are failing okay these types of thing this is present in starburst uh, but not in open source yeah. so like there is no native integration to let's say prometheus or let's say query statistic persisting the query statistics or what query came what was the plan of it these kind of things yeah that did that kind of inform a lot of you know as you were scaling cuz you know you were saying you guys quickly saw some organic growth uh once this started to take off and so once that that happened i'm sure uh this this was pretty nice to have i guess just in terms of uh cycling through cuz you're you're not really sure when you first go in on on any kind of new architecture that you're you're testing out how much you really need and if uh if you take Dane's uh, advice he just says use way more than you think you're going to need <laughs> uh <laughs> but that's hard to know especially for a, a small startup like like you guys had and so um i i think like this is this is where um you know you you have to have tools like that to to kind of give you that insight to okay we're starting to see some failure here this is a you know is this a first you you can you know use the ability to go through and determine like is this an issue just with the software somehow or some some way that we've set it up but once you kind of pull it out most most of the time it's just we're running out of memory we need to scale up and so yeah i think having having those is a is a, it must have been a good help so good um like uh on sizing thing uh like i think we found out what how much to size okay like what size of nodes to put 
after seven to eight months into using the uh, Starburst Presto. So I read, I think on you guys Slack, okay, your Slack that, okay, this, you need to use bigger nodes mm-hmm. for optimal performance. I think that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and uh, one feature that I feel is missing, okay, uh, where you won't have to worry about sizing is like Presto doesn't um, use dynamic number of workers for a query. So basically whenever a query hits, it will freeze the number of workers and it will send uh, the tasks to only that worker, those workers for a query. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a problem if you have a very uh, skewed size of data for different queries. Let's say someone is sending 100 terabyte of data, someone is sending just one terabyte of data. Yeah. How do you manage? Let's say someday the data is increased 50% and the query failed. That's the classic problem, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, this one of those things. Like, you, you kind of have to uh, go back and forth between. I mean, if you have an unlimited number of resources, then you're fine. But that's mm-hmm. usually not the case. And if so, you know, if you go to your manager and you ask, <clears throat> "Hey, I, I need this huge, you know, amount of space," and you're barely using those resources, then when it comes to the one, like maybe you know, few times out of the day or that you just get super unlucky where one of these queries come back and this this one query just is this giant marble of a query that just hogs up your whole system. Uh, how do you kind of manage not starving out everything else and, you know, scaling that up? And the easy answer, which, you know, any any bigger company will tell you, just throw more nodes at it. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I, I want to kind of like semi-disagree about that. Um, okay. Because that's the easy answer, but even at large companies, that's not really often the answer. Like many times, like say you're like uh, some large like TV network that has to run some sports website or so, whatever, or or la- like a large commercial entity that does online sales, they have like they can't just say, well, we'll hold through a lot of hardware at it and be ready for Black Friday or be ready for this big Super Bowl event or whatever. They have to, like, they know upfront when that event is and they prepare beforehand. I think to some degree, there is this, like, fine balance that you have to find between your system being able to automatically scale when the load comes in, but you also, on the business side of things, have to capture that knowledge that there will be a big event and you have to preemptively get these things up and running and make the capacity available and that's that's it's it's just a fine balance and i think the answer like there is no there is no magic solution really it has to be both aspects a little bit so it depends is the answer <laughs> yeah it is like <laughs> that's that's like the the cornerstone of being like any type of engineer is like you just got to be able to say it depends <laughs> when when the rubber meets the road <laughs> it, it depends, depends. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah no it's a it's a fair point uh, Pete. and i i i definitely think like that's I think we get those questions pretty pretty frequently in Slack. I see them I, I see them in the dev channels all the time. Like, you yeah. know, how do we know how much to have on there? Well, it, it depends, right? And and it depends on you, the the best ways. I think like you just need to have a couple seasoned engineers that have seen this stuff before that know how to anticipate when things are going to scale up. First, how to set up your architecture in a way that that will be able to kind of detect when when things are getting to a you know a, a higher watermark and be able to say hey like this this is either a, a kind of a like the the one burst kind of thing or this is going to be one of those more frequently occurring things and and so how do you kind of uh, scale that up uh, as needed and and so yeah so it's going to kind of take i think just expertise and and unfortunately, just kind of have those uh, those pat that pattern uh, 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 detection <laughs> when when a things are about bit, to go a wrong. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. very very cool stuff. Um, Arpit, did you have anything you wanted to uh, to uh, finalize, like say as a kind of last remarks or anything like that? Or, or Manfred, actually, first let me ask Manfred. Manfred, do you have uh, anything you wanted to ask before we close out the interview? No, I think I, I got all my questions answered. It's pretty interesting. And it's good to see that you can like, you know, run mul- again, 
multiple, even on a smaller company, right? Multiple yeah. clusters, different use cases, thing, different things. And we can manage with a relatively small team, which is good to know, right? Oh, yeah. RP, did you have any uh, closing remarks that you wanted to make? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to say that uh, after working with a lot of technologies in this space, okay, um, like one of the most popular ones, Spark, okay, if you're not doing this on a managed platform like EMR, uh, it's very hard for other technologies. With Presto, I found out that, okay, uh, some of the pieces were missing, like, okay, monitoring infrastructure you need to set up. But if you set everything up once, it's pretty much, it pretty much runs smoothly. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to uh, go to every day and look, look at a dashboard or receive alerts in the night that this is failing, this is failing, this is failing. Mm. So, so you're saying it's simpler so, than Hadoop. <laughs> yes. Overall, yes. Hadoop's ecosystem um, is pretty harder to manage compared to Presto. For sure. That's, that's good. Excellent. I was, I was, I guess I was trying to be funny, but <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for joining the show today, Arpit. Uh, yeah, I mean, really glad to have you, and I'm glad to have you as part of the community uh, now. So, um, so we uh, look forward to uh, uh, talking with you, and then, you know, and, and hopefully the next time you get your hands on uh, more more Presto use cases, let us know, and then we'll we, we may have to have you back on the show. So stick around if you if you uh, uh, want to uh, in case we get another question um, and if unless you have to go and then uh, uh, we'll be moving on to the next part of the show. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. So uh, okay, so with that uh, we're going to be moving on to the pull request of the week. So um, this pull request, let's change over. Going to go into a little bit of code scene. Actually, I do want to pull up the actual pull request. Um, and I got into contact with the developer that, uh, set this up for us or that did the, the contributor that did this. Uh, his name is Sven. Okay. Let's see if I can do the right German pronunciation. Sven Fennig. Is that uh, close enough? Sven <laughs> I would, I, uh, okay. So I'm Austrian, so I have to apologize. I don't have to as much down as a, a proper Northern German, like. Hochdeutsch speaking person, but yeah, help I would me. say Sven Pfennig. And by the way, Pfennig is just like the little coins, like cent basically. Before we had the euro, there was the Deutschmark or Do like the German mark as okay. a coin. And that smaller one was Pfennig. Mm, okay. So it's kind of a, a, a equivalent to a penny. Can we say that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so thank you very much, Sven. This is his GitHub. Uh, I, I don't, I actually don't know what this binary means, but it must mean something. Maybe it's Sven in, 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 uh, hex, but, uh, probably not. So, uh, so anyways, he, uh, added this, uh, pull request. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's a very simple to, to understand pull request. Uh, for those that are on the podcast, uh, check this out. It's four, four, six, two. It's, um, he adds, uh, Kafka headers, uh, to, to, as one of the columns, that we get back from Kafka. So uh, I, I think this has a lot of actual application usage and it's such a simple uh, addition. Uh, I'm not going to say it's too simple, but it's, it's, you know, it's a, it, it's just change, you know, a couple changes in about seven files that he made here. And it just, I think it adds so much value. Uh, so when I, at my last company, uh, we, we use Kafka. And, and so we, there's a lot of times where you will have Kafka and kind of, either maybe, you know, some binary blob encrypted or, uh, I mean, some people kind of throw, throw Kafka messages around in plain text, but, and there's maybe compression. So usually these, like these, these, uh, messages typically have a little bit of processing that you would have to do in order to, before you could actually just read fields in them. So what's nice about these headers, you can think about the headers kind of similar to like you would like an HTTP type header, where it's just a, a list of uh, kind of key value pairs that go along uh, with with this um, with with this Hive um, Hive no uh, Kafka message, and it makes it really simple if you're trying to kind of let's say route this this message somewhere or in in the presto context i think it, it could be really useful for a join so if you're you know if you want to delay the actual processing of this message and you want to kind of uh, maybe do a join on uh on on maybe some sort of tag uh you can stick that maybe in the header 
and do a little pro very minimal amount of processing and actually uh, pull out this, this, you know, let's say this tag, call it foo, you know, you're interested in joining on this foo uh, column. And so you pull that out and then you can kind of, uh, you know, basically say where foo equals this, you know, this uh, uh, header header value name or something like that. So so it's it could be a pretty uh, uh, powerful thing in, in Presto just to simply add this this header thing. So so I went ahead. Uh, this is so gonna, hang on. Uh, oh, just sure. a question. Then so you basically that header is kind of like can be a container for a bit of metadata in a way, right? Uh, say again. The header can be kind of a container for a little bit of metadata yeah. that allows you to like pick up some data about the message itself without having to pull out the message and parse it. So yeah. when whatever system sends something into the stream can basically add a bit of metadata and it's which allows you to consume it or like set, set up the consumption a bit easier or in our case with Presto, pull it out. Right. So, oh, quick, quick yeah. thing. Uh, actually, uh, so I, I just saw um, Sven. Sven's on our uh, Twitch uh, chat right now. He said, "My hex name is the UTF-8 representation of the Unicode ch character for the German penny sign." Oh, cool. So very, very cool. Very made of Sven. Truly a geek. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sven. Nice. Um, okay, so uh, so back to Kafka. Um, yeah, I, I think when you take this header, uh, you can you can um, you know let's say you have a system that's that's pushing these that's actually generating these messages, and you can maybe like either have the the bare message itself that that becomes the value of this this uh one of these key value pairs that you're wanting to use or you could even like it may not even be a field that exists in the actual message itself it could be some extra processing you did so let's say you have like a customer id and that maps to some other type of customer id in another database so you could even do a process like a quick lookup and say hey this is the actual customer id in this in this remote database that i actually want to do a join on so there's there's kind of a lot of a lot of things that you could do with this type of uh, setup so um let me see if i can uh, uh i'm gonna forget how to do that there we go uh, i'm gonna make this a little bit bigger uh let me I'm do a, <laughs> clean. so uh or clear not clean um dismiss so i'm gonna do a quick um uh, and do my best to help the people that are listening to this on the podcast i'm gonna do a very quick demo and what we're going to do is we're going to send uh, a couple events on a on a on a t uh, Kafka topic. So we set up a Kafka topic. Uh, let me first create this Kafka topic called PCB. So we're gonna. I, I already have a Kafka um, uh, a Kafka broker already set up. So let's hope that yeah. Okay. So we created this topic PCB. Uh, on the on the Kafka broker, and, and for those that aren't familiar with Kafka, it's just uh, literally the server that you're talking to to kind of pass these messages around. Um, and if you're not familiar with Kafka at all, uh, I, there is going to be a couple uh, links in the show notes that will uh, give you a quick start of Kafka, just to give you some context on this. But anyways, we, so we have this this topic uh, called PCB, and this is basically just a queue that we're going to be sending uh, a couple messages to. So on this queue. Um, I'm going to use this, this, uh, tool called, uh, called Kafka cat. And it basically just takes in, uh, the standard input of, uh, of some event. So I'm going to, I put, uh, you know, Manfred one, Brian two as the, uh, as the message. And then, uh, for the header, we're just going to put foo as the key and bar as the value. So, um, and then I have a parsing error. Great. <laughs> uh is that just a let me see if that might have been here let me just remove this out of there actually there we go it was just uh some goofy thing so so we have uh manfred on one in here let I me mean, ac actually, actually do this so then uh we'll do another one where we'll just set brian two and then uh uh, we'll send it. So that's the message. And then we're going to do foo equals Baz in this one. So now um, what we would need to do is in our in our Kafka configuration, let me see if I can. You're going to have to make that a bit bigger, Brian. So just oh, yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Let me make that bigger first. 
and we'll do a clear on this one. These are this all the old examples that I was working on before. So let's go, let's see. Um, we want to go, oops. We want to go into, um, not that Etsy, this Etsy. And we want to go into um, the, where am I going? Catalog. So we want to go into the, um, oh, I'm already there, Kafka. We want to go into the Etsy catalog Kafka properties. And in here we have uh, just the connector name, which is Kafka. We want, we have Kafka table names. And right now I have one that's just up for tests for a previous one that I was doing. And we just want to add the, the uh, topic here, PCB, which is the topic that we created just now and submitted those messages to. Um, and then I have, I point to the broker, which is just, uh, pointing to my local host, uh, from Docker. And then, uh, I also want to, uh, not hide the internal columns, which is this, uh, header stuff. So those are the only, like, basically that's the, all that, uh, the, the only Kafka properties that we actually have to set up for this. And then we can just start up Docker. So this is actually going to start up, uh, He's just starting a presto. Starting a presto. presto, yeah. And then log into presto. And then from Are here. going in with the CLI there or? Yeah, uh, yeah got to go into the CLI. And then from here, we're now going to, let's do a quick uh, show catalogs. And sh uh, catalogs is going to probably show us a MinIO as well, yeah. but we'll, we, should, we should expect to see Kafka. Um, oh, still initializing. That's and yeah, that's, you lost an O, and I lost an O, so that would have been failed anyways. Here, so give me a minute here. The Docker is still, or basically the Docker image is still going up. There we go. So we have Kafka as one of the catalogs. Um, we're gonna basically just be pulling from the default. So if we just do a select all uh, from. Uh, apparently, I cut off the stream on accident whenever I was typing uh, the shift R because I made that the hotkey in my OBS to do recording. This cut out at this point of the um, of the this point where I did the capital R here for the from. So I want to run these uh, real fast one more time. So we'll we'll run the PCB uh, the the basically the select all from. Kafka, which is the catalog that we're pulling from. Default is just going to be, since we didn't set up a particular schema, uh, we're, it's going to use default in this case. And then in our configuration, we, we added the PCB topic. So what we're going to expect when we pull these out is now we actually see, lo and behold, the headers that, uh, that Sven had added. So this is actually going to be a map of, uh, that has a, uh, the key of uh, kind of a plain text key and then an array of binary values. And this is just a array of bytes in, in Kafka. So, so that actually is what ends up coming out of, of these, uh, uh, of, 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 you know, this, this uh, pull request. And this is, I mean, this is pretty useful when you're looking at these scenarios where I, let's say this message is, is encrypted or it is you know, uh, like comp, uh, it's, it's compressed or, uh, just, you know, in some various binary format, you don't want to have to spend all this extra cycles, uh, pulling all these messages apart to maybe find a field that you're trying to kind of do a join on. Instead, what you can do is like, you can use these headers to kind of maybe join with another table. So an external table outside of, uh, Kafka, um, maybe like say with your hive store, and this is going to be, could be something like a customer ID, right? Um, and so you, uh, or could even be, uh, Manfred on the, on the pre previous time that we recorded, you made, you brought up a good example of, you know, what if you were wanting to only focus on a certain region based on what's coming out of, of your Kafka stream. So yeah. you could do this query and from this, uh, from these headers, you find, well, the regions that we care about are all coming from, you know, uh, uh, basically Great Britain or something like that. Exactly. So we want to focus on that region when we do this uh, join in Presto. So this can be super powerful uh, depending on how you kind of leverage this. And uh, and so um, so that was what we kind of wanted to to show uh, when when we uh, pulled out of this. So uh, so I I pulled this very uh, specific 
uh, I guess, crazy, you can say, uh, crazy uh, select statement that actually decodes, uh, in SQL, decodes these, uh, these uh, elements. And so you could, you, you see the, the um, messages that we sent before on Kafka, Manfred1, colon 1, and, and Brian, colon 2. Uh, when we query this using Presto, we, we now see the, uh, the, un, um, the, the, byte, the bytes that basically got converted into uh, uh, strings. And you could actually then use this within your uh, Presto query to to join this with with another data set so it is it is very very powerful and i will include this select statement uh so that people on the podcast can can understand it but it, at, a, at a basic idea is it, it you get this ar- array of bytes uh and when we run this re- uh, we send this into a reduce and pull pull out uh all the individual characters and then we basically just return the um from these from these characters we we return um the uh each each individual character uh converted to utf so uh and then depending on your your uh requirements might need another function like that but that's the basic idea you know you can get these values and then you know, use this within a join. So, uh, so hopefully, uh, unfortunately, we we missed the original recording of this uh, due to my hotkey uh, failure there. But I uh, wanted to come in and, and finish this part of the recording. Um, we're gonna end up doing the question of the week that we initially had, uh, since we were running over time, anyways. Um, and with that, did you have anything you wanted to kind of bring up or add, Manfred? No, I think I think it's good, and it's just a, another example of some of the like. Presto SQL functions being very powerful in this case, converting an array of characters back to how Kafka encoded it, decoding it as Blico, right? Yeah. Um, and another thing you brought up on the on the previous time was kind of uh, you know bringing up that Sven uh, is is a contributor from Germany. Uh, we had just yeah, now our on... Pete was here from India, right? Yeah. Like we have a whole bunch of people working in Poland with us. We mentioned the Tokyo conference. Uh, earlier today so presto is really a, an amazing community and i love that aspect of it that we literally have people all around the world working on the project using it and contributing back and helping making it better for everyone for and sure we are just part of that community and we love that that's cool yeah it's the it really is great that's one of the kind of the cool things about working at starburst is like you do get to kind of get exposed to a lot of these people and and so uh from all over the globe it's something i missed from my military days really uh, big. <laughs> so if you have a question, submit it to uh, either go to uh, uh, prestosql.io uh, forward slash Slack on, uh, and then find us on the channel uh, hashtag uh, presto-community-broadcast. You can submit your PRs there if you want us to uh, feature one of your PRs um, like we did for Sven's today. And then um, otherwise, if you have a question or anything, we'd like to hear from you. Um, the music for today's show is uh, from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album from Christoph Slawikowski. And uh, if you want to find Manfred or myself, uh, we, Manfred's Twitter handle is sim- at SimpleAgility on Twitter. And uh, I am at Bits on DataDev. Remember, for fast data at Presto, for fast data at Resto, Presto is the besto. <laughs> All right, Thank you. cool. Virtual high five. <laughs> <laughs>